Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile Life, the podcast. This is episode 219 called Sonia. This podcast is sponsored by Receptiva DX. Receptiva DX is a powerful test that has helped thousands of women who have experienced recurrent pregnancy loss or IVF failure. The test helps detect inflammatory conditions of the uterus that might be preventing you from becoming pregnant or staying pregnant. The most common underlying condition of a positive Receptiva DX test is endometriosis with or without symptoms. If you or someone you know has struggled with IVF, Receptiva DX may give you the answer and treatment protocols that you're looking for. Talk with your doctor about Receptiva DX because the journey is so worth it. Plus, guys, Infertile AF listeners are getting $75 off the Receptiva DX test. So all you have to do is go to ReceptivaDX.com or download the app Receptiva DX, use code InfertileAF23, and you'll get $75 off. Thanks, Receptiva DX. Hello, Infertile AF listeners. This is Blair Nelson, Ali's co-founder of Fertility Rally and the creator of Fab IVF Mama over on Instagram. I'm excited to chat with you really quickly today about our Fertility Rally event we have coming up April 29th called Fertility Rally Live. It is the sixth event that we are hosting. It is a virtual online event free to anybody that could get any sort of benefit from it. For all of you listening, we would love for you to come, share it with your friends, your family, anyone you think you could benefit from it. You can get your ticket by going to fertilityrally.com or going to the Fertility Rally Instagram. The link is in our bio there. You do not have to show up on April 29th if that date doesn't work for you. The beautiful thing about the platform we use is that anybody that claims a free ticket prior to the event start will have access to all of our talks for 30 days, which is huge. So just a couple of highlights of the event. We have singer and songwriter Christina Perry as our keynote speaker. You might know her from the songs A Thousand Years and A Jar of Hearts. She is incredible. She has an amazing story and gets into all the details as well as provide inspiration for anybody listening to the talk. We have a expert physician panel moderated by another infertility warrior. And we have several breakout sessions covering things like platelet-rich plasma treatment, like healing after loss, mental health, Eastern and Western medicine combined, and so much more. We also have an exciting afternoon reset to just get your mind right when you're going through hard times with a soul cycle instructor. And then of course, in true rally style, we end it with a happy hour. So again, you can snag your ticket over on our Instagram at fertility rally or fertilityrally.com. Enjoy this episode. Okay, guys, I don't even know how to talk about our next guest, Sonia, without getting all like choked up because she is one of my dearest friends in this community. She's one of the most special people I've met. She's just all heart. And she joined Fertility Rally. That's how I met her. And now she is one of our rally support group leaders. She does a Sunday support group every Sunday. She's just a big voice and a really rock solid person to lean on, but she's had her own struggles as well. She did have her cheetah cub, Taya, in January of 2023. So Sonia goes by cheetah on Instagram. So you might follow her. And if you don't, you should. But she had her donor egg baby, Taya, in January. And she's going to tell us all about how she got there. 
and all the things she went through and how she's just really made it her mission, like so many of us, to empower and educate and, you know, talk about family building without stigmas and all those things. So she's incredible. I adore her. Without further ado, this is Sonia's infertility story. God, Sonia. Hi, dear. Hi. How are you? I am. I'm good. I'm good. I'm tired, but I'm good tired. Yes. Well, we'll get into why you're tired and all that stuff. I just want to say you are one of my favorite people that I have met through Fertility Rally. We met in person at the Austin IRL and sat next to each other at brunch and just had the best time. And ever since then, you know, you're just such a good you know, such a big heart. You're such a good person. You're so just wonderful. Everybody loves you. You host one of our groups every Sunday, which is awesome. You've helped us out in so many ways. And I just want to thank you for yeah. that. Well, thank you. I mean, it is, I, I I get to do this because you guys invited me into this amazing community that you started that, you know, I even said on the Sunday call, I wish nobody needed to hop on the Sunday call, but I'm so grateful that we have the space for it. Totally. I know nobody wants to be here, but here we are. So are. let's start at the beginning. How did you meet your incredible husband, Derek? Uh, Derek and I met online, actually. Okay. Um, we met on an online um, dating site. And it was one of those ones that you have to pay for because my philosophy, and again, no shame to anybody that, you know, uses the free ones, but my philosophy at the time was I'm, I'm ready for somebody, right? Serious. I want the commitment. I want like the whole thing. So I wasn't looking just to, to date around because I'd already done that. And I was already 36 by the time I was, um, single again and kind of ready to get back into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw Derek's profile and I messaged him right away. Um, and Do you remember what you said? Um, I think I said something like, I, I, I think I was cheeky. Like, I hope you look as good in person as your photos. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also said, I really appreciated um, some of the stuff he said on how he wasn't religious um, and then what he was looking for. And then honest about him having two kids and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. How old were his kids at the time? At the time, they were three and six. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then they, when did you guys meet up in person? Um, Like three weeks after, not even. And the only reason why it was a little bit longer is because I was training for um, another um, half Ironman. And I had this rule when I was online dating going, um, I need to meet them like as soon as possible for coffee or a beer because I made the mistake of dinner one time. And that was Mm -hmm. the worst decision I ever made because I had to sit through an awful dinner with a person that I was like, right at all who you said you were. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's smart. Keep it short. Keep it short. Yes. Our first date, we met at a uh, brewery in Denton, Texas. And it lasted six hours long. Oh my God. Amazing. Okay. Um, So did you guys start talking about, you know, did he want to have more kids? Had you always wanted to have kids? When did that come into the conversation? 
Yeah. So I was open, like even on my profile, right? Like I wanted to have kids. Um, and I'm, I'm certain because I'm pretty, I was pretty forward about everything. So I'm certain I brought it up that first night. Um, but he actually told me that he had a vasectomy and I was like, okay. I'm like, well, I'm like, is it something that you're open to, to either reversing or possibly still adopting? And here we are, maybe this was on our second date and I'm uh-huh. sure, you know, but, but I knew what I wanted. Right. And so, um, what I was, did he say? Um, he said he would, he would think about it, which in hindsight, like at the time I was like, well, that means no, but in hindsight, I'm like, okay, so you're on the second date and you're like, you know, what do you think? <laughs> Talking <me>? about vasectomies. <laughs> right. um, I just, I knew what I wanted. And the thing is like, he was one of the only guys in our age group also, because Derek and I are the exact same age, mm-hmm. post like flexing bathroom photos and not to post like photos of him 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Right? So, right. So long story short, then we ended up staying together. Like it mm-hmm. was, it was actually pretty, pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And met his kids, and they were adorable as anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we started. It was a year after we started dating that um, Derek had his vasectomy. Okay, so he had it reversed, and then how is that? Like, what's that procedure? <laughs> is it painful? Ooh, yeah, I know, right? Um, so God bless him. I know. Trust me, and I took pictures too. I don't know if you what like. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> I mean, have him like in the recovery and all oh. that. I wanted, I wanted to die. Um, so we met with the urologist, and um, they they give you kind of like a what is the likelihood of the reversal working? Um, and we paid for it like an assured program too, um, and that's because Derek qualified because it was less than ten years. Um, he was in good health, and then they also made me test uh, my AMH, and I mm. that one of the first times that I thought about on that side, like of my own fertility. Mm-hmm. Um, so that number, and I'll be honest, I don't remember the number off the top of my head right now, mm-hmm. but I know it's that good. Cause mm-hmm. then you're all just like, okay, you're fine. This is good. Cause he wanted to make sure that, you know, they ruled that out first, I guess, for the assured program. Mm-hmm. And then Derek had his reversal. And then we were told, you know, you had to wait a certain amount of time. He went back for a couple checkups and they said within three to six months, everything, everything looks fine. It worked. You guys should be good to go. That's so cool that they're able to do that, the reversal. Um, okay. So then when did you guys really start to try and what happened? Probably, yeah, three three months, three and a half months, maybe four months later. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, we've heard this a lot in our community. Like I was just, I was so convinced, like, and, and we're older too, right? So we're like 38 at the time. Mm-hmm. So like, no, this is going to work. This is going to work. Probably totally. wait, like maybe, maybe three months at the most, but it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, And it, and it didn't, and it wasn't. And my first thought wasn't me. My first thought was, the reversal probably worked because, but it maybe it didn't work as good as we thought. So we mm-hmm. need to get a sperm tested. Mm-hmm. Like that was my thought process. We need to get a sperm tested. That makes sense. Um, but and you then, would think that. Yeah. And then we had to, and I think I've talked to you about this before. We had to take a, a pause um, because I ended up having additional um, surgeries that had nothing to do with fertility related stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I had a, I had a cycling crash um, in a training um, when I was training for one of my triathlons and the crash itself. I mean, it was, listen, it, it was bad. Like I lost some skin. I, you know, chipped a tooth, like big, massive bruises on my thigh, cracked my helmet. Um, but there wasn't any indication that I would need surgeries. And what ended up happening is because of one cracked tooth or molar, it set off a chain of, oh, then this one got damaged. This one got damaged. This one got damaged. So I ended up having um, multiple um, dental extractions. And then because of the amount of extractions that I had, um, they said, well, your jaw is, um, you have a, over, or a crossbite. And mm-hmm. because you're going to need like 10 implants and you have a crossbite, we can't do, or we shouldn't do this many implants with a crossbite as bad as yours, because it's going to actually make it worse. So we're recommending that you get the, your uh, reconstructive jaw surgery. Oh my God. That's so major. It was major. This episode is brought to you by Vegamore. I'm always trying to do right by my body. So when it comes to my hair and scalp health, finding a product that actually works and is made with clean ingredients always seems like a trade-off, but with Vegamore, I get products that are made with clean ingredients and give me visibly healthy hair and scalp. With Vegamore, I am able to have noticeably thicker, fuller, shinier, longer hair, all without the harsh ingredients. Every cute pink bottle of Vegamore products are 100% cruelty-free and are never formulated with potentially harmful chemicals like parabens or hormones. Okay, so I got my box of Vegamore products and I've been using them all for the past month. The shampoo, the conditioner, the grow hair serum, the hair foam, the eyelash serum, the eyebrow serum. It's been about a month, like I said, and my hair really does feel stronger and thicker. Everything looks better. And the shampoo in particular, I have to say, smells really good. The key is consistency in your routine for your most beautiful, healthy looking hair. I use Vegamore Grow Hair Serum daily and my hair and scalp are feeling better than ever. Here's another cool thing. Vegamore has these great value kits like the Grow Essentials Kit, where you get to try more than one amazing product at a time at great savings. So when you sign up for a monthly subscription, you save more and you never run low on the products that you need. And fun fact, guys, Vegamore sells one bottle of the Grow Hair Serum every 15 seconds on their website. That's how good this stuff is. So here is the deal, my beautiful listeners. For a limited time, you can get 20% off your first order by going to vegamore.com slash infertileaf and using code infertileaf at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash infertileaf, code infertileaf to save 20% on your first order. V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash infertileaf, code infertileaf. Thanks, Vegamore. And then I was like, okay, we're trying to have babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like, we're trying to have babies. Kind of throwing a monkey wrench into our plans. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, not to downplay it because I know that you were no. in a lot of pain. And this was, was it was really serious. But at the same time, I was like, okay, so how long is this going to take? They're like a year. I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? And then they're like, okay, we need to get a palate expander. We need to put braces on you. We need to. And so I was like, fine, let's do oh all God. of this. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean... It was, I was in a lot of pain. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to, I'm trying to be a little bit lighter about it, right. but it was actually really awful. And Derek yeah. and I were 
beginning of our relationship. And here I am like falling apart. My face was changing too. Like my face started to sink in because I had no molars. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and again, I had all this stuff in, like inside my the palate expander and then the braces mm-hmm. three didn't go. It wasn't one year and ended up being, you know, three years of surgeries. Oh my God. You poor thing. Yeah. Like it was sinus lifts. Like, I mean, and everything that could go wrong went wrong, you know, kind of like we talk about in the infertility community mm-hmm. you know, it says like 10% of the people experience this. I was always in that space with each surgery and each setback. Right. Admittedly, we still did try throughout like some of that because I was like, well, I'll 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 just deal with it when it happens. And then mm-hmm. again in hindsight going, okay, that wasn't the smartest idea um because of the amount of medication I was on, but I was just so determined. Mhm. Exactly. <laughs> so you have these two things going on kind of concurrently. You guys are still a new couple, right? I mean, yes. this is a lot to be going through at first. How are you guys doing? Um, we were actually, I I think what was hard in the beginning is because both of us were older, we'd both had lived on our own for a while. So figuring out how to live with somebody else after already been in relationships and then being older, I mean, that was a different kind of challenge. We knew it's hard to live with somebody. So that part we weren't naive to, but it was just, we were so set in our ways. Mm -hmm. And then the added stress, it was definitely challenging. I thought I was a great communicator and I learned that I still wasn't. Mm, interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so what were you guys doing in terms of the fertility stuff? Like what kind of steps were you taking? So I was doing ovulation tracking mm-hmm. and, um, and that was, that was it at that point, because again, I'm sitting there going, everything's fine. I'm going to be fine. I went back to the OB's office um, I got blood work done again um, for AMH and FSH, and it wasn't like a 20-year-old, but everything was still fine. Mm-hmm. And again, I didn't know enough about egg quality or anything like that um, to to push for like myself to go, okay, maybe I should see if I should freeze some eggs before. But again, I also thought my surgeries would only be a year. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those um, I have deep regret over, and I think it's okay to have regret because, I mean, I, I yeah. You regret what, not like freezing your eggs and stuff? Yeah, at least mm-hmm. trying that. But I also didn't know. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying not to beat myself up for something I didn't know. Of that course. Well, as we always say, you know, you do the best, you make the decisions that you can at the time with the information you have at the time, you know, you didn't know everything then and you don't know it until you're in it. So, you absolutely, know, I would absolutely. say definitely don't beat yourself up, but I understand the the desire to do that because that's what we do as we beat ourselves up, you know, we're hard on ourselves. Yeah. And I started learning more about all the infertility stuff and I had to grapple with being angry that I didn't do more research because I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm an academic, I'm a professor. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there going, how did I not do more research? But then again, I'm in all this pain on all this pain medication, all these surgeries. And I had to, in hindsight, again, you know, give myself a ton of grace. Totally. I couldn't do it all. Exactly. Exactly. 
So, so what were what were they saying? Like what were the doctors saying? Were they what when was the point where they were like, all right, let's pivot and do something different? Yeah. So um I that's my OB said, look, if it's if it's not, if you guys are not getting pregnant, like definitely go to an RE. She referred me to um Dr. Ku. That's Dr. Knocked Up. I love him so much. Oh, uh, I love him too. I love him. I love him. And but she actually did not say, you know, wait six months or wait a year. Um, it was very much like, no, just go now. Like this isn't, don't wait. Um, oh, good. Which I appreciate because again, now hearing other people's stories mm-hmm. on this arbitrary six months to a year, um, where it has really no medical backing. It's just a, a industry standard. I yeah, it's like somewhere they sent this, they set a benchmark and it was like one right. year of trying. Right. So we yeah. went in right away and um and we got all the testing done. So I went and I got the um, HSG scan, like the whole nine yards, right? Derek got a semen analysis. Mm-hmm. And then we go back in to meet with Dr. Koo. And again, like I'm sitting there going, we're going to have to do a sperm donor. Like mm-hmm. that's where I'm, that's where my head was. Mm-hmm. And I was fine with that because, and I've been pretty open about this in my, like Derek knows in my personal life before Derek, I actually dated um, predominantly like more women. Mm-hmm. Than men. Um, I've been pretty open, just quite a fluid in my life. Mm-hmm. So a sperm donor was something that I was always open to. Mm-hmm. Um, so that part wasn't a hard pivot for me. Yeah. But I was not expecting Dr. Ku to be like, sperm count, great. And then he like made some like awkward joke. I love him because Derek's in the military. So he's like, you have these like super sperm things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, just, I love him, like I said. Um, mm-hmm. And then he goes, but Sonia, we've got some, we've got some stuff going on. And mm. it was like this sinking moment of like, wait a second, after all these surgeries, after all this shit that I went through, like, it's, it's me again. You're like, like me? Wait, what me? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm the problem. Like mm-hmm. what? And again, naively going, yeah, but wait a second. I, I've gone to the OB, you know, every year. I've done all the things that I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So he gave us options. And I think, again, naively, we were like, okay, well, let's start with IUIs. I mean, why go to IVF right away when there's still a possibility? Um, and again, in hindsight, Dr. Ku didn't oversell it. I mean, he was very, like, he's very science-oriented. Mm-hmm. But I think that hope part in us, right? And then the finances, we were like, and we were still figuring out how to pay off all my other medical debts. We're like, yeah, let's do IUIs. Mm-hmm. Um, but walking out of that clinic, I felt so broken again. Yeah. You know, like, and I'm looking at my husband going, <laughs> I'm I'm broken again. Mm-hmm. Like, and and are you sure you still want to to? do this like to be with me yeah oh what did he say i'm sure he was like of course yes yeah he was like i would he's very matter of fact too he's like he goes i wouldn't be here if i didn't want to do this and he goes he goes i got my balls cut open for you like (laughs) (laughs) and it's so romantic derek he's yes very he's also very matter of fact Mm -hmm. Um, but it was it was hard it was really hard and um, and I was like, okay, we can do this, but 
I still wasn't really, I still wasn't open about anything. And I, I think there's a part of me um, that was like, this is going to work. And then I can tell the story, right? Like I can tell it after I get this baby. Mm-hmm. And um, and I don't need to tell too many people because I'm good. I've already been through all the hardest things in my life with the surgery stuff and with a whole bunch of like, I, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And I was so determined that I could do this by myself. Again, uh, well, I was wrong. Um, right. Very wrong. Like I, and it was the first failed IUI I was fine with. I was like, okay, first time didn't work. Like no problem. Mm-hmm. But then I felt like I went to crazy town. Um, I I listened, um, and obviously I've listened to your podcast, but we had this sort of similar experience to where I was like, after the IUI, you know, they were like, have sex, like, you know, give it some extra chances. And here mm-hmm. I am yelling, crying, can we just please do this so we can have extra chances? Like, who wants to have sex with somebody? Oh, my God. Yes. Eyes out. Yeah. Just can't you do that? You know, like oh my god, yes, that's like me with Vince. I was like, just stick it in, like, like I was like a puddle. Yes, and I was like, holy shit, what is happening right now? Yes, and and it was ruining like our sex life, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, hundred percent. Like it was just, and and again, I knew I was the one doing it, but I also. I, I got in that, like the tunnel vision that I think infertility caught. And I see this now that, right. I'm helping yeah. a lot of other women. Like I know that space that you like, get in the loop. Yes. Yep. And, and you know, I think part of that is because so many of us are achievers and, yeah. you know, I, I don't know if type a is definitely applies to everybody, but definitely achievers, you know, we yes. join groups because we want answers and we want to make things happen. And, all that stuff. And we're so used to, you know, working hard and getting good results. And, you know, as we've said so many times, this is one of those places that it's not fucking fair because no matter how hard you work, it doesn't guarantee the outcome that you want. And it fucking sucks. Yeah. And I've done so much by myself that I was also convinced that I could do this by myself, right? Like I didn't need anybody else. I could Mm -hmm. do this by myself. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm going to say this. I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I was so wrong right. um, but in that space, that loop of like, I I was like, no, no, I can do this. Right. Our next IUI, um, quote unquote, worked. Um, but I ended up having um, a chemical pregnancy, mm. um, which was devastating. But at the same time, I was in a space of like, okay. Like we found the right amounts. We, we, I, I know this, this, this. Okay. We'll just, we'll just do this again. Like mm-hmm. I would, like a science experiment, but like robotic also. Right. Right. You know, like this wasn't fun. This wasn't awesome. But then again, I was also keeping so much of this, like really, really like close that I wasn't sharing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next IUI um, also worked. Yes, that one also worked. Um, and that one ended in a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. So how, what what number IUI was this? So that was number three. Okay. Um, and that was at the point where 
you know, even Dr. Ku was like, cause I actually didn't end up going to the hospital cause I was bleeding so much. Mm. And, um, and in my head, I'm like, you know, oh, I just got my period. The, the IUI didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, when they say don't test early, I followed those rules initially. Same. Yeah. <laughs> initially, I was like, okay, I can't do that. It's going mm-hmm. to ruin something. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that one was, that one was pretty devastating. Mm-hmm. And and I'll say, so I, I absolutely love my bonus kids more than anything. And I've been really intentional with calling them my bonus kids. I feel like, sorry, Disney, I feel like they ruined the step mother step right? Language. Yeah, totally. It's got like an evil connotation. It does. It does. It's sort of me personally, and they deserve, you know, the best that I have to offer to, because they didn't sign up for the hand that they were dealt. Mm -hmm. So are you the bonus mom? I am. Mm -hmm. I love Um, it. I do too. And as much as I love them, it was so hard to see them And then knowing I couldn't have that or I wasn't being gifted that. Um, And and it was because of me. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the time, I didn't know. Like I was like, I did blame myself, but I wasn't sure. And and I think in the back of my head, I'm like, no, it's like it's Derek. Like it's Mm -hmm. got to be. And was Dr. Koo telling you anything to like try to improve things on your end? Or what was what was the or what was the. He was letting me steer the ship. Mm-hmm. And I think he, like, he was very, again, looking back at the notes, he was like, IVF is going to be the best shot because of your age, because of, I had a, like a tipped uterus. So that makes natural conception really hard. You know, like my AMH had decreased, but again, it wasn't in the like absolute pits at the time. Um, but you know, I think because I was so like, no, we're not going to spend the money on IVF. We're, we're just, we're not going to do that. And I don't know if it was because I didn't want to spend the money or I just wanted to like make believe that this was going to magically work. I know it sounds mm-hmm. so silly to say it out loud, but. No, that doesn't sound silly at all. I just, you know, like I had this, like, it's going to work. It's got to work. I know how to do this. I know how to do, you know, I know how to follow instructions. I know how to work really hard. I know how to do things on my own. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that wasn't working. So um, after the last IUI, you know, that's when Dr. Koo is like, we can keep doing this, but this is, you know, this is wasting your money and I don't want to do that for you. You know, here's my suggestion. You know, we, we move to IVF. And then if this doesn't work, you know, this is where you guys can think about egg donors. And I'm like, egg donor? Mm-hmm. Like, Wait a second. Come on. I mean, I've been able to get pregnant off the IUIs. Like, no, no, we're fine. We're good. Let's let's do IVF. Mm-hmm. Well, when we had started the medication. That's when COVID hit. And so oh, that, yeah. yeah, that cycle got canceled for me. And I was... I was relieved Mm. and it was so odd because I, I wanted so desperately to have the baby. So I was so upset, but I was so relieved because I was like, okay, you know, maybe now this will be the time where we can have this magical sex baby because we're quarantined and right. I, 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 again, I, for 
for as logical and as like hardworking as I am, I think I'm like this ultimate dreamer always, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like this, this thing is going to happen. Um, and I've never lost that, which is good and bad, right? All at the same time. Well, uh, that didn't happen. So went through COVID and we were like, okay, finally, once the clinics um, started to open back up, we were like, all right, let's, let's try again. Um, first cycle got canceled because for IVF, because, um, I wasn't responding to the medication, mm-hmm. like my, my follicles weren't growing and I'm like injecting like so much like them, not the maximum yet of like the follistim, but pretty close, mm-hmm. you know, loop up, like all of it. Like it was just, it was insane. And a lot of the times too, Derek was, um, TDY. So he was like on orders. So I was doing most of this by myself. Mm-hmm. Wait, what does TDY mean? Like he was on orders. Like, mm-hmm. um, so like, it's like this temporary, um, duty orders. Okay. Like for like one week, two weeks, three weeks, mm-hmm. instead of like a six months or a year thing. Got it. Um, and I still wasn't really telling anybody. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, a couple of my close friends knew, but I was still like, I'm, I'm just, I'm keeping this close. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Um, and, but I was also breaking inside because I was feeling so isolated. Mm -hmm. I I wasn't talking about it. Um, but I was like, no, I can still do this again. I was very wrong. December, 2020, we ended up, um, we ended up having a little wedding ceremony and that's a whole other story, but, Mm -hmm. um, and I had just, that was when I just had, so the cycle was canceled. We did another IUI because I was like, let's save the cycle. And again, um, same thing happened. Like I, it was a chemical pregnancy, um, but I always struggle with that word too, right? Me too. Yeah. Like it was scientifically, yes, it was, but you know, I still had a miscarriage. I agree with that. Yeah. And um, I gained so as an athlete, I'd put on like 20 pounds from all the IVF meds. Like mm-hmm. it just packed on weight for the first time in my life. Mm-hmm. And then going through like multiple losses. So we had this like impromptu wedding. My wedding dress got lost in the mail. It's still lost in the mail. Oh I was, <laughs> yeah, I was so upset, but I, didn't, I couldn't fight it because I was broken. Mm-hmm. Really broken. And then when I we posted our little photos, you know, the four of us, it was so beautiful, little ceremony, but we're all in black because that was the only thing I could like pull together that we all had that we all <laughs> somewhat <laughs> Derek was like, we look like we're walking to a funeral. I'm like, you guys, Derek and Diego had red shirts on. I'm like, no, let's we'll put in some red. We'll put in some red. <laughs> You're like the monsters. <laughs> yeah. It's Christmas time. We'll put in some red. I love so it. And I wore wreaths. And I was like, so I, I tried, mm-hmm. but I was so broken on the inside. Like I really Aww. was. Mm-hmm. And then um, somebody commented that I put on a lot of weight. <gasps> Who? What the fuck? Yeah. Not cool. And um, I, I, I was like, yeah, but like my body has been going through so much. I'm yeah. sorry. That yeah. sucks. That's not cool ever. So, um, I, uh, yeah, I decided 
at that point, I shared a little bit with one of my former students because she was going through IVF. She had Jen, right, who's a rally member. Um, she lost her tubes, right? And so I shared a lot with her because she was no longer my student. Well, I, I actually now share all these things with my students, but, and she bought me a, a rainbow from um, Sam's shop, Rainbow Mama Waiting. Mm, yeah. And uh, and I took a picture of it because when it arrived, and then that's when I decided, you know what, I'm just going to post this and I'm just going to tell everybody, like, here's what happens. Mm-hmm. Yes, my body is changing. Right. I, I I had a miscarriage. I didn't give all the details, but I I put something out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like that was really huge. Mm-hmm. And, and here's the interesting part. If you would have met me like personally, I would have absolutely told you. Right. But like to say this in a setting to where I'm like really opening up myself up and not the person that's together, right? That's like the hardworking, that has the plan, that like has the thing. I I I struggled to show that. But if you asked me, I would have told you I can. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Totally. Um, so it was it was a former student that then gifted me so that that now we're in 2021, a um a two or three month membership to fertility rally. Oh, that's right. And she said, show up if it's for you great. If it's not, then at least you tried. And I was like, I, I told her, this is so sweet. But again, in the back of my head, I'm like, I don't need this. I like, totally I, forgot that that's how you got involved. She was, I, and, and I believed I didn't need it because mm-hmm. again, I thought I'm, I'm strong enough. I can mm-hmm. do this. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you the first call I signed in on, like I was so quiet. Mm. I didn't even speak because I was like, Oh my God, like I'm definitely part of this. Mm-hmm. Definitely have all these feelings. And I definitely think all this. And I definitely like it was just like this story that was like not even a story. It was like this loud music screaming at me, right? Going, This is you, this is you, this is you. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it took me a while before I before I shared. Mm-hmm. And now I always tell this to a lot of women that apologize when they're crying on the call. I was like, I cried, like hyperventilating crying every time I shared for like the first <laughs> six months. And again, it was because there was so much that I was thinking and I was acknowledging sort of to myself, but never said it out loud. Mm-hmm. Like it, I did. It just all came pouring and flooding out. Yeah. I think when you see those people, you know, you find your people that you can cut through all the bullshit and you can talk about all the ugly things and the bad, you know, things and the things you feel guilty about thinking. And they're like, I agree with you. You're like, oh my God, what a relief. Yeah. And, and then I started to, to realize going, I, I need support. I need to, I need this. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was, um, that was, it was like beautiful, honestly. Um, and then I also, you know, ended up obviously signing up um, for rally, but it was also a really interesting full circle moment because, you know, my former student learned, she said, well, I learned this from you. Mm -hmm. I did this for you because of what I learned from you. And I'm just like, 
Oh my God. Like that's so cool. So, so but, what but, was going on with your, you know, family building journey at this point? Like, where were you guys? So we were gearing up for IVF attempt number two. Okay. And, um, hopped up on hormones. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and again, I was on the, not the maximum of Folliston, but pretty close. And so we're heading into March of um, 2021 mm-hmm. and everything was looking good. Like I had, I think it was like 15 follicles. I was like, okay, this is mm-hmm. good. We're like, we're doing this. We're doing this. And um, we were considering freezing Derek's sperm because we didn't know, you know, if he would be at home because of, again, egg retrievals. Nothing is like an absolute date. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> it's so tricky. It's so tricky. Like, so tricky. And I'm grateful that I did not have to discuss anything with my employer, right? Because I'm a college professor. So because I don't teach a class all day, right? Like I could go, well, all right. So we schedule it on this day. If this is the day, I don't have any classes in the afternoon. So that's fine. I don't have to say anything to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, I'm traveling a lot with students. So I'm bringing my drugs with me all the time on the plane right? All the time in the hotels. Like I even had to ask one time our rooms weren't ready. And I go to the front desk in DC and I'm like, so I've got like these IVF meds that like need to be refrigerated. I'm like, do you have a refrigerator that I can use? Yeah. And I am like asking this random woman and trusting like thousands of dollars in their like lunch fridge while I'm waiting for my, our rooms to be ready. Um, and I was still doing this on the down low, like not wanting students to know. And I, and I don't, well, I do know why is because I wanted to seem like I had everything together, mm-hmm. you know, like totally. Yeah. Um, so I was in rally and then, um, sharing still super devastated, but really hopeful because I was like, okay, we're like, we're actually going to do this. Like we're going to make it, we're going to make it. And then my follicles, like didn't grow like mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. they all stopped and they weren't at a size that was there was one that was like you know 18 maybe 20 but they're not going to do an egg retrieval for one egg at least my clinic won't mm-hmm. and um and it's partly you know dr q explained it's just it is their clinic policy but it's also the likelihood of that egg then being healthy and then fertilizing, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of risk that they just don't do. Mm-hmm. And I was okay with that because again, I'm like, if if one isn't going to work, like I don't want to spend thousands of dollars. And again, I, I support women that do. And I support women that try to find the clinic. Sure. You know, like I just, I if we all have to kind of approach what we want, what mm-hmm. feels like for us. And for mm-hmm. me, that also felt right because I didn't want to spend boatloads of money if this right. wasn't even going to be a possibility. Mm-hmm. And so I remember getting the phone call from Dr. Ku and like he called me and I knew, right? Like I knew. And he was like, Sonia, my heart wants this so badly for you, but my head is like, we have to cancel this site. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, you know, we've given it 
like really like a really strong trial. Like there really isn't much we can do. We can keep going. Like we can keep going if you want. But based on these last two things, we're going to continue to get these same results. But if you want to keep going, like I'll support you, but I'm going to tell you this is what this is potentially going to continue to look like. Mm-hmm. And again, because of the amount of meds I was on um, and he's like, so think about, you know, an egg donor have, and Derek was on orders. So, and I remember I attended rally that night too. Mm-hmm. I said nothing. Like I was mm-hmm. just like, I'm dead inside. Yeah, totally. And so when I told my husband, I said it to him in an angry way, like, you're never going to want to do an egg donor. So like it was because I was so mm-hmm. angry. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I was angry at. Right. Yeah. I don't because it wasn't working because it was I don't like again, it had nothing to do with the anger wasn't losing my genetics. The anger was it didn't fucking work. Right. And you've been through so much at this point. Yeah. Like it didn't work. Mm-hmm. So then obviously Derek got angry at me. He's like, you're not even giving me a chance to think about it. You're just assuming I don't want to do it. And I just, and he was right. And I, I again, I was wrong in how I approached it. Um, So we took some time. And then it was looking at the cost and the egg donor thing. Man, that is like. That is like the wild, wild west. And I had right. tell me, yeah, what were you, what did you find? What was it like oh for you? My God, I had no clue. I had no clue. So the cost is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And what I don't like is that if you want to use a known donor, in most cases, it is far more expensive than using anonymous or like frozen eggs. Mm-hmm. And because I already had assumed we'd use a sperm donor or we'd have to. And again, I thought that this might be what I would need to use right before I'd met my husband. Um, I had done all kinds of research on sperm donors and why it's important to, you know, um, have the be, have the ability for the children to know who the donor is, to have contact with them once they turn 18. I realize that that age is, you know, somewhat controversial. Mm-hmm. Um but I didn't know anything on the egg donor side. Mm-hmm. And then seeing that that's like, it's willy nilly, like by, <laughs> that's a terrible term to use, but <laughs> I feel like there's that, you know, bit of Canadian jargon coming out, but, right. um, but it is like, it's like whatever the clinic wants to do on how they regulate an egg donor, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it is like the wild west, like you said. It is. Um, And then it was going, how do we pick somebody? Um, And then how do we afford this? Mm -hmm. Like, even with everything. Now, what I was really grateful for is, so we have no IVF coverage, right? We have zero. Mm -hmm. Uh, My work didn't offer it. Military doesn't offer it. Um, and so, well, they do, but it's like in these extreme cases, which is a whole other discussion too, mm-hmm. but based on what we, our diagnosis, that was not, you know, there was no coverage, mm-hmm. clearly no coverage for an egg donor. Um, and then 
weighing out the finances, we definitely, I, we decided I was going to definitely do a frozen egg donor mm-hmm. just because again, the cost, and right. but even that's like for six eggs with an assured program. So you're guaranteed one blast that clinic that we went with. I mean, it's like, it's Mm -hmm. $16,000. That's like a fuck ton of money. It's a fuck ton. (laughs) Your favorite unit of measurement. My favorite unit of measurement. Yes. And I, (laughs) Sunday calls because it is. And then talking about, okay, so what is this going to look like and how do we pick a donor? And then here's, here's where, again, I learned a lot. So I was like, somebody suggested in rally that I do a fundraiser and I'm like, like I'll just apply for grants because I can do that. And then I could still, again, like as, as open as I was getting, I was still like, I'm going to do this by myself. Yeah. It's hard to ask for help sometimes. And the first time I wrote my story, I sent it to a former student of mine just to proofread. And she asked me why it was so academic. Mm. Like Sonia in this, I see Professor Chesley, but I don't see Sonia. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? And she goes, "You're the one that used to say this to me." And I'm like, "Oh my god, what is it with these students listening to me? <laughs> They're learning from me. They are." Um, and so that was probably. I'm not a big. I try not to do the whole like it was meant to be because again, this for me personally. But if I can take away one good thing, so I didn't get any grants, but one mm-hmm. thing that I did get from that is that I learned to write my story as Sonia, mm-hmm. the professor writing an academic paper. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I read a, a draft of your story, right? At some point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, all right. Well, and then I talked to a bunch of the rally members going like, how do I know that doing a fundraiser is going to be okay? And, you know, like my husband and I were not, you know, poor, we're not rich, but you know what I mean? Like it was one of those, like, I'm like sitting there going, yeah, but there are people that need it more, have it worse. Like I, I, yeah. And it was one rally member that just went, well, what's the worst that could happen? Nobody donates. Right. If somebody has an issue with it, since when do you care what people think? Exactly. I'm like, no, you're right. I go, but then I'm putting my story out there. It's scary. It's hard. It's yeah. Like I said, it's hard to ask for help. Terrifying. Mm -hmm. But then it was like this whole like thing going, yeah, but I like, if I'm going to do this, I got to do this. Like I need to like, then just rethink how I'm sharing, how I'm even living my life. Mm-hmm. You know, and how I can, how I need to bridge the gap between like professional and personal and have just one Sonia. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So I wrote up the the story, the kids and Derek and I, like we did these, like cute, we did this cute photo of like, we're using an egg donor to grow our family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I did it really like. Everybody gets to draw their own piece. Like we are using an egg donor. Mm-hmm. To Each one of us like, had a little sign. We took pictures and it was fun. And they yeah. got to draw like their own word and whatever artwork they liked. And Derek did like Wu-Tang Clan type. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and then I was like, and then the kids were so into it too, going, okay, like we're going to do this. We're mm-hmm. going to grow a family. Posted it. And I couldn't believe the amount of support that 
that we received. Like it was like, like beyond touching Mm -hmm. To, to the point where, and that's where when I saw what, and it was a lot of mostly rally people, um, a lot of folks from even like women that I went to elementary school with were like, oh my God, like, yeah, I'm going to absolutely donate. What's there anything else I can do? Mm-hmm. I, I like you're sharing this. This is amazing. I had other women reaching out to me going, I also struggled with infertility, like that I knew. Right. They come out of but, the woodwork. Yeah. And um, it was um, beyond moving. Mm-hmm. Like that people had this faith in us and our family and said, yeah, like, let's do this. And so when I, then when I met you guys, this is, I'm fast forwarding a little bit. I just was like, I, this, you, this community, what you guys set up gave me the pathway that I needed to become even more who I am. Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. That makes me so happy. I wanted to give back. And I remember telling you guys, I'm not there yet. I'm not in a place where I can, but I but I want to. Mm-hmm. And you and I met in real life. I was like, I'm I'm ready to. If yeah. you totally. And so, but it took like, you know, two and a half years. Of course. <laughs> of course. For me to get to that that place. Yeah. Well, everybody has to take their own time, you know. I couldn't even talk about this stuff until Sunny was like three years old. It's it's hard. And I have a lot of admiration for like the younger millennials and Gen Z, like their their ability to share unapologetically is mm-hmm. um is something that that we can definitely learn from and and take from, right? As mm-hmm. opposed to sharing when everything is curated and complete. Right. And I needed to get unstuck from that. Yeah. So we picked our donor as mm-hmm. a pick. We picked and how our- did you, yeah. Tell me how you came to that decision. So I wanted to include the kids as much as possible. Um, because I like, I wanted to make sure that they understood that there, nobody was going to love them less, that our hearts were just going to expand and we were just going to be able to, you know, include somebody else in this love. Mm-hmm. And so as much as I could include them, I did. And it was funny, Diego's going to kill me for sharing this, but he was younger, right? So he's like maybe 11 at the time, starting to crush on girls. Mm-hmm. And he was like, she's hot, she's hot. And then I, had to look, <laughs> I know, right? And then I had to tell him, I had to be like, you know, this is going to be like, this is going to be like half the genetics of your future, like sister or brother. And he's like, oh, okay. So it's like, it's like, I'm saying like, you're hot. Oh God. Right. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I did again, have a moment. I got angry at the donors that Derek selected. Mm-hmm. because They looked nothing like me. I mean, I'm not talking about like, I um, was looking for a doppelganger. We're talking like not even the same hair color, I, like nothing. What was he basing it on? I mean, obviously not so, just looks. 
Before I asked that, I got angry and I was like, who are you looking at that you think this is somebody better looking than me? Again, I went to crazy town for a little bit. This is, I'm so glad you're sharing this because this is so real. I did. And I was, and then again, he, he's like, you're, you're assuming the worst and you didn't even ask me what I was looking at. And I was like, oh my God, I'm an asshole. I'm an (laughs) asshole. Uh, I, I'm sure it probably took me like an hour or two before I acknowledged that I was being an asshole. Uh, he was looking at their health, family, uh, health, yeah, education, right? Like, and I'm sitting there going, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's important. Those things matter. Um, and so we all kind of agreed on on a donor. And um, and I felt really good about it. You know, I was like, okay, like this is pardon me, this is good. Um, I met with my OB again just for like my yearly checkup. And both her and Dr. Koo were like, if you want, you know, give your body like three months, let's get out all the IVF meds. You know, let's do a, a full reset and then we can go ahead and, you know, start um, start the process for, you know, fertilizing the eggs and then getting you pregnant. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, all right, let's do that. So we did. And that took me to um, February of 2022, where we were going to have our first round of donor eggs um, fertilized. And, um, and it was supposed to be like, my transfer is supposed to be on, you know, February 2nd, 2022, right? Like, mm-hmm. all like, oh my God, that's like amazing. The numbers. Right. And then, and then they were like, oh, based on your cycle, we need to push it to the 22nd of February. I'm like, still magic. Mm-hmm. February 20, 22nd, 2022. Okay. Even better. More twos. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. anything the twos but I just was like this is great this is magic um and uh nothing fertilized mm-hmm. or I should say that three eggs fertilized but nothing grew at all yeah total like oh how did that make you feel I was devastated like mm-hmm. that anguish feeling of like curled up in a ball on the floor ready to open a bottle of wine at nine o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and I just, and, and you know what my husband said to me, he was like, he goes, everything I want to say to you right now is probably not the right thing to say, but I don't know what to say because this is all really awful. Right. So he wanted to say like, you know, we'll figure this out. We had we had the assured program, which is like you're guaranteed at least the clinic we went with, you're guaranteed a blast. So we knew we could get another round of donor eggs mm-hmm. until we got w- at least one blast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, who wants to continue? Right. All it's like that? Jesus, can you get a break here? Yeah, can you cut me a break? Okay, so is that what you guys did though? Then you found a different donor. Well, actually, so I thought that we would just be using the same donor because of the way the program was worded. And that really upset me when it was like, well, that's not exactly how that works. And I was really upset with the clinic, right? Not not Dr. Koo. This is another. Mm-hmm. So you wanted the same donor because it had taken oh. so long to get to that point. 
Yeah. yeah. That and makes we always sense. read on her. And it was like this, like, right. again, and I think there's this part of me that's like, I love a good story. And I'm not trying to make up one, right? But I was like, no, no, but this is how we found her. Like we all picked her. Like we all went through this. We had right. these discussions. We had these lists. Like it was just this. Um, and then as we were told, no, we have to pick another one. We had to pick one relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. And nobody was available but me to pick the donor. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, and I basically just was then, you know, we had my husband again back on orders. So I was just like, okay, uh, what about her? He's like, at this, he's like, whatever you want. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's your body. And he's like, I'm not being dismissive. I'm not trying to be checked out. But, you know, and I think there was a part of him too. Like, this is exhausting. Totally. And so I picked her by myself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm going to pick her by myself and we're going to do this. And um, hopefully I'm I'm picking you know, somebody that this is going to work this time. It's a lot of pressure. It is. And it's devastating. So when I hear other women, when their donor eggs don't work, I mean, it's like, it's like another level of like, wait a second, I was the fucking problem. Now I found something that's going to fix this. And then this still happens. And that's a tough one to swallow, like really hard, Mm -hmm. really hard. So this next egg donor I was like, okay. And I picked her because she shared photos of her son. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. And I loved what she wrote. And Aww. I was like, you know, the fact that she's sharing pictures of her son and he's not blurred out, like while the clinic I used, um, it is anonymous. They do say that there's no such thing as anonymous, which is good because that is true. Mm-hmm. I wish that they would give the women the opportunity to be able to say, yes, I want to become, they don't even give them the opportunity. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that's one thing I would love to see changed Mm -hmm. um, as like a micro step. Um, And so um, the fact that she showed her son, I was like, okay, all right. You know what? And I let go of a lot of other things. Right. Mm -hmm. So I did like she wasn't Eastern European. She wasn't, you know, like all these other things that I'd found in this first donor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just was like, I'm, I feel good about this. I'm doing this by myself, but I'm not doing this by myself now out of stubbornness because I don't want to share. I'm doing right. this by myself right now because the circumstances that I have to. Exactly. And that felt like, I guess the most right. Mm-hmm. I did a fresh transfer. And with mm-hmm. fresh transfers, you don't know how many blasts you have, or even if you're going to transfer until literally that day. Right. That's also really terrifying. Totally. Because I've been there before, right? No, no blasts. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And this was two days after my birthday that mm-hmm. I was having a transfer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And then we were going to go on a family vacation just to like, Corpus Christi and Padre in Texas. Um, nothing, nothing elaborate, but fun still. Yeah. And that can be a good like distraction during that, you know, mm-hmm. wait, even though it's not really two weeks. Um, but when I got no phone call, which was good news, like I was like, oh my God, we're actually having a transfer. Mm-hmm. And we got there and they were like, I'd already knew that out of the five, 
or out of the six, I'm sorry, all six fertilized. And then they were all growing. And then when we got to the clinic, they were like, we definitely have a solid five-day blast to transfer. Mm-hmm. And then there are two more that are growing that we're relatively conf- confident we're going to freeze at day six. Mm-hmm. Oh and my I'm, God. All right. And and I was like, and I did everything I needed to as far as, right, the drinking the water and the what not to take and all that other stuff. But I didn't do any of the other things leading up to the transfer. Not that I was being reckless with my body, but I also was like, God, to go through all these steps again, just to do this appointment, I can't do this. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, And I didn't do like any of the acupuncture and all that other stuff. And part of it is I just, I have a hectic schedule Mm -hmm. and I tried to do that stuff, but it got so overwhelming that I couldn't do it. Yeah. Well, we always say if it's too stressful to go to the acupuncture appointment, then don't go to the appointment. Don't do it. Yeah. And so right then I was like, okay, we're having a transfer. I need to live in this moment and treat this like... One, I'm pregnant. Two, this is going to work because even if it doesn't, I have to enjoy this moment because after this round of egg donors, like after this round of eggs, since we already had blast, like that was done. Mm-hmm. And there was no way we were going to be able to come up with another $16,000, right? Right. Be able to do this again. So I need to enjoy this, like be at peace with it. Mm-hmm. I can still be devastated. I can still deal with emotions if what if whatever happens down the road. But I needed to try to find small pockets of peace and joy, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And so um, we went in for the transfer. And it was funny because the embryo got stuck in the tube. So they had to, so when they were like, okay, and then they're like, they check the tube. They're like, oh, it's still there. It got stuck. And I'm <laughs> looking at Derek going, of course, of course, not in a bad way, but like this son or daughter is totally ours. Like being stubborn before they're even getting into <laughs> this is like, this Aww. is us. This is us. Um, leading up to that, and I share this on Instagram too. I um my bonus kids, we taught them how to do how to load the PIO shots, um, like how to load the syringe, how to inject <laughs> them. And Delilah, she did most of my shots. I love that. She's at 10 so years cool. old. At 10 years old. It's um, so cool how they knew every step of the way what you guys were going through and you know, I just think the education and the communication is just going to make them so much more badass as they get older and know about all this stuff, you know? And even explaining to them like how the, how it works with not just IVF, but the egg donor, mm-hmm. um, you know, and again, they were a little bit younger when we first started explaining it. And so um, Diego, I think Diego, he's going to kill me too. When he ever hears this, he thought that, um, <laughs> They extract the sperm from dad. <laughs> Derek's looking at him going, mm-hmm. <laughs> with what? And he goes, I don't know. It was like a big needle. And and he'd already had sex education, right? So yeah. Derek's like, no, son. This <laughs> is like, you know, that is not how we get sperm out of us. And then Diego like thought for a second. He's like, oh my God, you need to beat it to get it out. <laughs> 
And then Delilah was like, you got to beat it. Like, it was just like this whole, like, oh so my God, you guys are hilarious. You need like a sitcom. Yeah, it was, it was hilarious. So then, right. They obviously now leading up to this one, they, <laughs> they knew everything that was going to, going to be happening. Um, and it was, it was magic. I actually did not eat the fries at first. I know it's like superstition mm-hmm. because I was so driving home. I'm like, oh my God, we have a baby inside me. Mm-hmm. Just, and and it was just, that's all I could think of was like, we have, we like, this is our baby. This mm-hmm. is, my, this is our baby. And um, another rally member actually door dashed me fries. She was like, you need to have the fries. Like, you know, <laughs> like and I felt so, so grateful. I was like, oh, okay. I but I, I just, I didn't, I didn't do all the things, but I was also so like happy, mm-hmm. genuinely happy. Yeah. And genuinely like whatever happens, like this moment right now, I'm, I'm pregnant and I'm so happy because everybody got to be here. Right. My bonus kids, my husband, like we got to do this all together. Mm-hmm. And so we did show the kids to the transfer. And again, they both were like, I don't know what they thought we were going to show them. But Diego's like, I, I can't watch that. I'm like, oh my God, son, like it's a, it's the sonogram. Like you're not seeing anything again. It's so funny what they think they're going to see. I think part of it's their age where everything is like, you know, butts, dicks, whatever, but yeah. <laughs> we showed them and then they were like, oh, okay, it's just like the sonogram and the, I'm like, yes, we're not right. Sure. <laughs> right. So yes. then you didn't early test, right? Or did you? I can't remember. I did, but not until day eight. Okay. And that's because I started having symptoms and, um, and you know, it's one of those, it's a mind fuck with estrogen and, um, the PIO shots because it does mimic pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And so it was this whole, like, it could be the meds or I could be pregnant. And then when I threw up, um, you know, everybody's like, there's no, so you probably just have food poisoning. Like, yes, you had a transfer, but you know, people don't get morning sickness this early or this soon. And I'm like, okay, but I just, I, I know what this feels like. And I feel this, but you're right. It also is really soon to be throwing up. And then I just was like, I thought to myself, day eight, I'm like, I'm going crazy. I need to test because I need to know for myself, like, am I, is this the meds or is this, did this work? And then I also had a conversation, you know, with another rally member about like, do I want to get the bad news? Do I want to see this for myself first and then potentially get bad news? Or do I want to just be blindsided with potentially bad news? Mm-hmm. Again, everybody's different on that, right? So I drove and I tested. Now, Derek and I agreed that we were going to test together, but I didn't. I did not wait. I went to the, he was at work. Um, Delilah and I went to the, um, Walgreens. I got a pregnancy test. And it's so funny because even the kids were like, why are you doing this? Like you're pregnant, you know, like, Uh yeah, I'm like, well, like it's not a guarantee and all this stuff. And so when I peed on the stick, I watched it. Like I did not put it down. Like I literally watched it. (laughs) I remember I sent it to you, right? Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Oh my God. And then I'm like going out and I'm like showing Delilah and Diego. And they're like, I mean, yeah. Didn't you just like, isn't this why we did all these shots? Like, oh, 
you know, <laughs> like it's like, yeah, and so, they're and like, then, of course. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm not crazy. Like, I'm not crazy. Like I'm actually pregnant. And then I was able to, we did a, I did a faith purchase years ago. Um, getting a little Air Force um, onesie. <laughs> and so on when we set the table on um, Derek's dinner plate, although we used a disposable plate um, because I put the pea stick and the little Air Force one. <laughs> and the first thing Derek says was, I thought we were going to do this together. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. But I was just I, like, I was over the moon. And again, I knew that it's like, I knew I wasn't out the gate. I knew that anything could still happen, but I, everything we've been through, I wanted to just be like this moment right now. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I made a conscious effort again, listening to a lot of women who, because of all the trauma, like didn't take a lot of pictures while they were pregnant. Right. And I didn't post a lot of them, but every moment that I felt and acknowledged I was pregnant. I took a picture. Good. And it was just for myself because I didn't know how long this was going to last. Of course. Yeah, that's great. And um, and it lasted. Mm-hmm. It lasted and it lasted. I had a hard pregnancy. Um, I ended up getting hyperemesis, which is like the worst form of morning sickness. And I pretty much threw up my entire pregnancy. The first trimester, I lost 14 pounds. Yeah, you were so sick. Oh, my God. Really sick. Mm-hmm. Like really sick. And I didn't really get better. Um, but again, it was just like, it was awful. But I was like, oh, my God, I have a baby inside me. Yeah. Like, and and I felt so connected. And we did... Um, we did find out the gender because we didn't do any genetic testing. That was the other thing, right? Because it was a fresh transfer. Yep. So that was a little bit nerve wracking. But, you know, Derek's like, it's going to be fine. Why wouldn't it be? That was his response to everything. Why wouldn't it be fine? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't dismissive. It, it was just, I think, he's just like, yeah, but this works out all the time for so many people. Mm-hmm. And while I know that that statement is hard to hear from others, maybe who are not in like the community. You know, when it came from my husband, it came from, I know, the best place possible. Right. right. Like somebody has to be not going to crazy town every five minutes. Right. So, you guys are a good balance. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so and- you, all right. Tell me about having your, I don't want to, you, I want you to tell, say the name and the gender, which you haven't said yet, but tell me about giving birth. Yeah. So, um, uh, we we had a girl and, uh, we named her Taya Kateri Chesley. Oh, I just got the chills. And Taya, again, spreadsheet. So the whole family rewrote names. <laughs> <laughs> right. We wrote names down and everybody put like a thumbs up, thumbs down for, and we did actually, um, we did boy names too, because before we didn't know. Mm-hmm. Boy names we were not all on the same page with. Diego Delilah and I had all agreed on a boy name, but Derek hadn't. Okay. <laughs> but with the girl names, we all agreed on Taya. Like Aww. all of us did. Uh-huh. And um, middle name, um, 
So Derek and I both both were raised Catholic, um, but in his family, we're not super religious, but his family, the, everybody's middle name is a patron saint. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother also had that on her side. And um, so I wanted to pick Kateri because she's the patron saint of the environment. And I'm a huge, right, environmentalist. And I just thought that would be a really cool way to kind of connect my daughter and I. I love um, that. You know, again, because we don't share genetics, I was looking for other ways to piece me into her and vice versa. Yes. But tell me about how you, I mean, I'll get text from you with pictures of her and you're like, I still can't believe she's mine. Like, I'm so, so, so happy. Like you send me the sweetest notes and pictures of her and, you know, you, you say things like, I don't have my phone in front of me, but like we've there's no doubt in my mind that we're so bonded, you know, things like that. So tell me about that piece. You know, were you nervous that, you know, not sharing the genetics, you were going to lack some of that? So maybe, but I'll tell you that my relationship with Delilah in particular taught me right from the get-go that genetics don't matter. Mm Mm-hmm that I can have this like deep bond with both the kids, but because I was having a girl, right. Sort of. um, And as Delilah is getting older and and again, like I met her when she was three and a half. So she and I have like grown together. Yeah. And um, like, she's just been my reminder Um, and Diego too, right. Like I don't want to ever minimize him either Mm -hmm. on my love and how even their love for me um, is also like it's without a doubt there, right? Like they tell me they love me. <laughs> and so with Diego being 14 and still saying it, like, I'm like, oh my God, melts my heart. Oh, I love that. Um, I think, you know, I think the more terrifying part was just, can I, can my body sustain this and get her here? Mm-hmm. Right. That was that more terrifying part. Um, And then obviously, yeah, I mean, there are I think I I wrote this down in one of my journaling where I said, you know, the the loss of genetics, it it was it was something that I definitely had to process. But I see a little bit more as like continuous, like it's something that it's not like a one time thing. And then I decided to use an egg donor, but it's in these moments of like like the mini me shirts. And I, and I actually have challenges with that too, because I don't want my daughter to be a mini me. I want her to be better than me. Right. Mm -hmm. And I would want that regardless if she was genetically related to me or not. Like I want Delilah to be better than me. I want Diego to be better than me. Mm -hmm. And so, but, but it's still a reminder, right? Like the, who you get your looks from. um, And then even like personality traits, like so when I see Delilah sleeping and then I look at Derek and I'm like, oh my God, you guys sleep the exact same. And then I think about going, oh man, like that's like, I'm not going to have that inherent connection mm-hmm. with my daughter. But um, my daughter, even in utero, ended up looking exactly like Delilah. Mm-hmm. They have the same lips, right? <laughs> same lips, same mm-hmm. nose, the way they yawn, exactly the same. And that's my husband's side too. That's so cool. But it's just so so that connection was there. And then I don't know, as she grew more inside me, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna protect you. I'm going to love you. 
right? And I'm going to empower you to be you. And and another thing, and I think one of your members said that, or one of the women you interviewed um, a while ago said, like, we don't own our kids, Mm. right? Like we don't own them. And so they are going to be who they're meant to be and we can guide them. We can, we need to guide them, empower them, right? Support them. But even if there was a genetic tie, Taya still could have been the exact opposite of me, even if we were genetically related, right? Like that's automatically bond you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't want to de-emphasize genetics because I do think it's, I mean, she's going to know day one, she's going to know that she's an egg, you know, we use an egg donor to conceive her that took three people. Um, And I have a little thing that I'm working on for her nursery where I have like my picture, Derek's picture and our donor's picture. Mm. It's like mom plus dad plus donor equals Taya. And then I'll have her photo there. Oh, yeah. Because I, I, like, I want that conversation to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I digressed. Sorry. Um, no, that's okay. I just, yeah, I, I, I loved her so much when she was growing inside me, like so much. And it's funny. So we have um, the other embryo um, or the other blast, I should say, stopped growing. So we actually only froze one other day six. Mm-hmm. Um, blast. And for the longest time, I said, you know, Derek should probably make the choice as to if we don't transfer, he should have the choice of, you know, who we donate to or if we donate because it's his genetics. And as I, as Taya started growing more inside me, um, I started questioning that. And I'm telling you, almost, I don't want to say the second she was born because I had a really traumatic birth. But once I held her, that other embryo that we have on ice became my other son or daughter because we don't know we didn't do genetic testing either Mm -hmm. and I no longer felt like Derek should make that decision I was like no 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 we need to make that decision because that's either my son or my daughter that's there so crazy how that like just it just happened it just clicked and then um I had a yeah I had a pretty traumatic birth Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so I delivered Taya at 32 weeks and two days. I, um, went into the hospital, was like on a Friday or well, Thursday night, early Friday morning, like, you know, 12 AM. Um, I have asthma and I couldn't breathe. Mm -hmm. My asthma, like my inhaler wasn't working, which was odd. And so again, me, cause I think I can do everything by myself. I woke Derek up. Um, so the kids already gone back to their mother's house, literally like on the 4th of January. Um, the um, 6th of January, we're going to the hospital. But I told Derek, wake him up because he's sleeping in the other room because I was snoring so badly. During the- <laughs> like, Delilah recorded me and I'm like, no, that's not me because I don't snore. But yeah. I snored. Like, oh, my God. Oh my God. It was intense. I, I laughed. I still listen to the recording. I think it's hilarious that mm-hmm. that was my, my nose, my mouth. Um, I told him, I said, you know what? I'm just going to drive myself to the hospital and get a breathing treatment. It's just a six minute drive up the road. I just mm-hmm. want to, I'll be fine. He's like, are you fucking crazy? <laughs> yeah. Let you drive. But I was also like scared and angry because I'm like, oh my God, I'm at 32 weeks. Like, yeah. 
what if this isn't my asthma? But then I was like, it's my asthma. It's my asthma. I can't yeah. breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had just that morning. So that Friday morning saw my OB, we did the at-home urine collection for preeclampsia just because I was swelling a lot. Mm-hmm. My blood work came back fine. My blood pressure was slightly elevated, but nobody was worried because I was seeing like an MFM and an OB. Like I was like regularly every two weeks I was seeing somebody for my entire pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And um, so that morning I saw the OB and then that's why it was also like, no, everything's going to be fine. As soon as we get to the ER, they bring us back, they take my blood pressure and you know, it's bad when the nurse leaves and like the ER doctor comes in. Like, right. Right. They're like, we need to take you up to labor and delivery. And I'm like, really? <laughs> like, they're like, your, your blood pressure is dangerously high. Oh my God. And it was like extreme onset of preeclampsia. Mm-hmm. But here's me in my like magical world again. I um I was asking the nurses how many how many hours do you think I'll be here before I get to go home? Mm-hmm. Or you know, are we looking like, you know, maybe an overnight stay and then I'll go home. And I should have like paid attention to the fact that they weren't really answering me. But again, <laughs> in my head, I'm going, no, they can give me, I've read this. They can give me the meds, they can bring everything down, and then I'll end up going home. So stayed there the night. Um, they hooked me up and everything, but my blood pressure was when I say through the roof, like it was dangerously high mm-hmm. and it wasn't coming down. Saturday morning, Derek leaves to go. Like he'd spent the night with me, obviously. He leaves to go, let out the dog, feed the cat. And as soon as he left, that's when everybody came into the room. Like the NICU, um, mm-hmm. Charlie, the nurse, the nurse practitioner, the OB, like they're all like, look. Everything is like not getting down. And this is now getting to the point where it's getting dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have your baby today. And I was like, what? no. Like, and then obviously I started bawling my eyes out. And then yeah. I, I started explaining everything. Like she's going to have a NICU stay. And I'm like, can you guys come back in 20 minutes and do this all over again? Because I cannot explain all this to my husband. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Too much. And then does the OB was there? I, I looked at her, I said, is there any way? Because you know, they give you those two steroid shots to help with the lungs. Mm-hmm. Second steroid shot, we needed to wait longer for it to work. And then I just asked her, I was like, is there any way that we can wait longer or even like another like couple days? Or yeah. She looked at me and she's like, she goes, I'm gonna be really blunt. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, she's like, you will die. If we oh. don't do this, oh my God, we'll die. like she goes like, it is that serious. Mm-hmm. Like it's, and we don't want to get it to an emergency. Mm-hmm. We want to stay ahead of an emergency. And I'm like, okay. All right. Okay. We're doing this. <laughs> doing this. Uh, but it was an out of body experience. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and, at the, and then I had also started swelling in that mm-hmm. moment at that time too. And when I say swelling, I mean like in 24 hours I had put on, um, 25 pounds. Oh my God. But it was just all swelling. Wow. Yeah. Like my skin started blistering um, because the swelling was so bad. Mm-hmm. Then my legs, my arms. Oh so my Derek God. Back, and then I tell him, like, I started bawling right away. And I don't remember now the sequence. Like everything is really blurry, right? Like it's one of those. I, but I, what I do remember is when they told Derek, like, you're going to have a baby today, you know, at 2 30. We're going mm-hmm. into the OR. 
and his face of like fear. Mm -hmm. I don't see fear in him too much, but I saw fear. Yeah. That's something you will seared in your brain, right? Yeah. I saw fear. Yeah. Yeah. This is serious. So did she, did she, was she born at 230? 240. At 240, she was born. And partly was because I, um, my, again, I had more complications, like my blood pressure than just crashed out of nowhere. Um, I don't know if I crashed because it's not like, but it got, it went just like tumbled really low. Mm-hmm. And then I passed out while I was lying down, which is also like the strangest feeling in the world and scary. Mm-hmm. And then also um, the reason why I took a little bit longer to actually um, do everything. I was told afterwards that my placenta started to deteriorate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and again, all this happened in a span of, you know, like I said, I saw the OB Friday morning and then right. Saturday at 2.40 PM, I did start having contractions. And again, a part of me was, I went, okay, if I'm having a C-section, I knew that that's a possibility and I was okay. I actually didn't have a birth plan because something that this whole infertility journey has taught me, like I can have a plan, but I also have to understand like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? Like all of that is going to potentially happen. And I can't stress myself out if the things that I want to happen aren't going to happen. I just need her to be here and safe and me to be alive to raise her. Mm-hmm. And I had to continuously remind myself of that. Totally. So my, my plan was whatever it's going to take to get her here and for me to be here to raise her. Yeah. I love that. Actually, that's really great. Yeah. So tell I, me about the moment she came out. Um, so they told me she might not cry. Don't panic. Mm-hmm. Not going to see her, but for one second, because we're going to have to rush her to the NICU. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they, so I, I felt everything because I mean, well, you don't feel everything. I shouldn't say that, but my body, I felt my body moving back and forth because everything else was numb. Mm-hmm. And I just kept asking Derek, I'm like, is she here? Is she here? Can you see her? Can you see her? And then when I heard her cry, it was like, okay, I heard her cry. And then they brought her over and they were like, kiss her on the forehead, mom. And then they whisked her off. And then I was like, oh my God, but she's here. She's here here and you're alive to take care of her. Yeah. So how long was the NICU stay? I know it was treacherous. Yeah. Almost six weeks. Oh my God. And so you were going a couple times a day, right? Like you got out of the hospital after a few days and then you would go back and forth. And um, I remember, you know, again, texting you during that time and just being like, you're such a badass. Like, this is so hard. I know it's so hard to leave your baby for the night, you know? Yeah. And it was like, so we would, we would go, um, two to three. So at the beginning I was going twice a day because I was still recovering right from the severe preeclampsia, the severe swelling. Like I could still, I couldn't walk well because everything was so swollen. Mm. And so like we, I was still managed to go twice a day, but it wasn't until I think about almost two weeks after then I was able to go three times a day. Mm -hmm. And the NICU nurse or one of the nurse practitioners, I think she like read me. No, she definitely read me. She was like, you can come and stay here like 24 seven. You need to heal and you need to rest. Yeah. Let's start with, you know, two times, you know, a day visit Mm -hmm. because you need to 
rest, pump, heal. And I was like, I'm the worst parent ever. Like mm. if I do this twice a day, but, um, I, I literally physically twice a day was, was really hard on me. Yeah. Yeah. Really hard. But I was like, no, we're doing this. We're doing this. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the times, one of the first times I I walked, so at first, actually, I couldn't, I didn't see Taya for 24 hours after she was born. That's so hard. Yeah, because I was hooked up to the magnesium drip. So I, like, I couldn't go see her. So Derek saw her and then brought back pictures and everything. But I felt so disconnected, Mm. not just from her, just from like, what the fuck is happening? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm on all these drugs. I'm on, you know, like, it was just... I couldn't believe it. And then it started to hit me going, she's not inside me and she's not beside me. Mm. Like, what is this space? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really hard. And then going home without her. Yeah. Like all the pictures that everybody sees, or I didn't even, I didn't have a baby shower, which again, fine, because we had her early, Mm -hmm. but it was like, okay, like we're not even, but she's here. And I had to keep telling myself she's here. I know, but it's hard to wrap your head around it if she's not, like you said, beside you. Right. Yeah. So, okay. Let's tell me about the moment you got to bring her home though. Oh my goodness. So Valentine's day. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Bring her home on Valentine's day. Like I cannot make this shit up. And I, <laughs> I'd already bought her because I wanted to, you know, buy her this sort of over the top outfit because we thought we we're going to celebrate Valentine's Day with her in the NICU. Mm-hmm. And then they told us the day before, actually two days before that everything was like going where it should. And um, we did an overnight stay on like the 13th to the 14th. So that way they could do like another 24 hour monitoring to make sure that we were able to take care of her and her needs and what she needed at the time. Um, and so I'd bought this over the top outfit for her, like (laughs) big bow and she was still like a preemie, right? So she's tiny and this outfit was still big on her, but I was like, you know what we, she came into this world like really like with so much drama that I needed her to leave the hospital with like that extra drama as well. <laughs> She's so extra. Yes, we are doing this. Love like, it. And I mean, I didn't do, I mean, I just, I wear my leggings and my rally sweatshirt, right? Like mm-hmm. I like I don't have the, you know, here we are in the swaddle thing and hello world. And right. I, I see that, but you know, we didn't get that and that's okay. Because we did it the way that totally <laughs> we we were gonna do it. Yeah. Oh and my just, god. Yeah, I got to bring her home on Valentine's Day, and I think I took like a thousand pictures of her. It's probably like two hundred and fifty pictures. I'm not even kidding. Like, <laughs> I I had to buy extra storage for my phone because I'm not deleting any of these photos. <laughs> I, I know. I know. My husband. <gasps> Now realize that I have, I don't even know, 20,000 photos on my phone. It's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I remember when I had ever, and they took her off to the nursery and I was still in the hospital. I was like crying and looking at pictures of her all night, like not going to sleep. And I was like, I miss her so much. Like I want her. Yeah. It's, I totally know that feeling. And I brought like all these little adorable outfits to the NICU. And I would like, as soon as I was allowed to put outfits on her, like, I was like, we're doing this. We are. <laughs> We are doing this. And then I brought bows to the NICU 
And, and the NICU nurses were so amazing. But yeah, we brought her home. And um, the first night was a bit rough in that we were like, oh yeah, we need a routine. You know, like we were just like bumbling through it. Right. At the same time, it was just like, oh, she is like, she's here. She's here. And it's so funny because everybody's like, oh, the sleepless nights. I'm like, look, I went through almost six weeks of, I still had to wake up every three hours to pump, but I didn't have her. Yeah. I didn't. And the, those 2 a.m. pumps were like the brutal because I didn't have her here. Yeah. It was like the sleepless nights, having her here, done. Done. Like, yes, I'm tired, but I'm like, I'm, I'm so happy. Like, so happy. Okay, guys, thank you so much to Sonia. Don't forget to follow her at donor.egg.mama.cheetah on Instagram. And she hosts our Sunday rally support group too. So if you want to work with Sonia and get to know her better, join the rally. And if you are a rally member, you probably know about her Sunday meetings. I'm sure you do. But if not, you can go to our website, fertilityrally.com and join our membership. We are open now and you can read more about it on Instagram at Fertility Rally. You can always DM me there or on Infertility Stories. So the whole goal is just to support everybody no matter what they're going through. So if that speaks to you, reach out to us. We'd love to meet you. All right. Thanks for listening. Talk to you guys next time.